2: Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, My nephew needs me
1: to record. See, I hate I already hate it. I hate it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ down there in my home state, my home area, Atlanta, Georgia, Aaron Washington, first time appearance here on the program of NoTradeClause.com. Aaron, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, Chase. I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you having me on the pod.
2: Uh, Glad to be with you. I've been seeing your work here for a minute, and uh, you know you're on top of things. And um, you know I applaud your effort to cover various sports. I know for me, I'm a specialist in the NBA, and that Mm. itself is a lot of work. So I see what you're putting in across all the sports: football, baseball, NBA here, which we'll discuss this evening. And uh, it's all really great, man. So thanks for having me on, and just keep doing what you're doing. I love it.
1: I appreciate that. And it's almost the best time of year where the football season is over. And like, cause that's where it, I get exhausted. Like the fall yeah. with college and pro and then the NBA starting in the middle of it is just, I mean the Braves when they were on their run, like was ruining my weeks at a time. I felt that's so it. guilty how annoyed I was that the Braves cause baseball postseason baseball is like four hours. Like you're looking yeah, at that yeah. and I'm like, it's man, I'm just, it's a grind to be good yeah. at baseball in major league baseball. <laughs> 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 so, Max. um, uh, I, I don't miss that as much and you feel so guilty as a fan, but I'm like, I have so much other stuff to watch and they're just on every night and you want to see where they're going. And it's just, it's a lot to juggle, man. So sleep is not as, uh not as common for me uh, in the fall, but this is the, the prime time where 40 to 50 games in with uh, basketball. We have a pretty good feel of where everybody's at and um, can focus more and more on where teams are going with the trade deadline coming up. And uh, just to what, how many, two weeks, where are we at with that? Is it... Uh, yeah so just around? a couple of weeks yeah yeah so yeah, we're almost there way. it's gonna be fine we already had one big trade yeah. Aaron that we could start with here because I think um and Zach Lowe made this point with Bobby Marks today when I was uh out walking the dog um with uh on his uh podcast the low post and what he was talking about with the Rui Hachimura trade and this was something that I had written down when I was talking to friend of the pod Corbin Ford and he was all excited about um the Lakers trade and I was like I don't want to dump Cause he's literally the nicest human being, uh, in basketball yes. Twitter. And Love I'm that. like, he's great. And he's so optimistic about the Lakers at all times. And I just, I looked at it and I was like, I mean, best case scenario is like Mark Keith Morris, right? Where, what yeah. Keefe was a couple of years ago where he could play the five and on defense and help Anthony Davis that way. Anthony could play the five on offense. And that was like what they were using. And it was, it was good. Keefe couldn't really shoot. He was Okay. But by and large, it's just you needed a bigger body to take those blows that Anthony Davis did not want to take. And Thomas Bryant's been really good for them um, when healthy. So knock on wood there that he can stay healthy because he's he's got a bunch of upside. But I just I don't know, like it's a wait and see. It looks like he's going to be a starter uh, out of the gate here for Los Angeles. But when you look at this trade, do you like it more for Los Angeles or do you like it more for D.C.? Aaron?
2: Uh, I would say I like it a little more for Los Angeles, just because mm. of the outside play. Uh, DC got three second-round picks out of this deal, which, I mean, it, it's a fine return. Um, I'm sure they were looking for a little bit more, uh, mm. considering that Hachimura is a former first-round pick. He um, has shown flashes in his last game with the Wizards. He had 30 points, which matches career high. So he obviously has some potential that I think is still untapped. Uh, he was really pigeonholed there in, in Washington, just trying to find his role with guys like uh, Denny Advia um, already in the rotation, Kyle Kuzma, who's emerged as you know a borderline star this season. There was just not a lot of minutes to go between all those guys. So he gets a fresh start. The Lakers get a fresh start of sorts and uh, more size, more talent, and another young guy that can assume a fairly big role in their rotation. So I would say the Lakers side, I like a little bit more because of the, the potential that he brings to that team, what they're shooting for, uh, you go and look at the standings right now, there's four games that separate the third seed from the 12th seed, which is insane to think about. Mm. So the, the Lakers went from a fading season that was quickly just turning into a bunch of nothing. All of a sudden you fast forward a month or two with the absence of Davis and they're right there in the mix within two or three games of, uh, having home court advantage in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. now this trade brings them new life. There's new optimism. Corbin has a reason to be excited about this team, and I can I can see it. I, I still don't have them as a true contender in the West. Uh, I, I like a couple other teams a little bit more, Denver and Memphis specifically. Mm-hmm. But I think the race is a lot more open than it was, I think, maybe at the beginning, beginning of the season when we were first evaluating this team. So I like it for Washington, too, for a few reasons. Uh, you know, you get – I mean – Kendrick Nunn is, hasn't done much of anything in the past two years, but it wasn't that long ago he was a runner-up to Rookie of the Year in Miami. Could definitely bring a scoring punch. And then those second-round picks could become something fairly nice for the Wizards when they inevitably need to kind of go in a different direction once Bradley Beal reaches his peak. So that's where I stand on it, but I think it can definitely benefit both teams. But I think the Lakers have a little bit more to gain from this deal, at least at first glance.
1: DC just needs to get out of the the draft pick um, conversation for a while. They just need to stay away with Johnny Davis being the most recent example of just uh, this. I think, I mean, it's crazy, but it looks like already a gigantic swing and a miss it does. Um, there. And you just can't continue to miss like that. And I'm just surprised too that Bradley Beal is just, he's fine. He's, uh, he's yeah. okay. He's like, Hey, another whiff Rui Hachimura did not develop what we needed him to be. Um, we got Kuz. I'm still a borderline all-star. Like, I'm fine. Like, and they're not going to make the playoffs. Like, they're not a play in team. Oh. This is just, it's very strange that Bradley Beal, because like, I get it significantly more from Dame's side of things, right? Like, Dame, right. you can still see it. Like, they trade it for Jeremy Grant. They're doing things around, I mean, they bring in Josh Hart. They have a, surrounded him with a bunch of vets, and then they'll do the high upside young guys that he can work with and develop, and like, Anthony Simons of the world, the. Um, Shaden Sharp's the world, so it's a nice little mix. Nazir Little has been uh, good for them when healthy. Like, there's there's stuff there that if you're Damian Lillard, you're like, no, I'm I'm fine. I think we can get back there. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that path for D.C. And I mean, this trade is no. fine for them. But like, I think the more damning thing here is just that's another whiff in terms of just Rui Hachimura being not that long ago a top ten pick by oh. your team and just. To not work like this, um, it's just tough um, to kind of sell so low on on somebody like Rui.
2: It is, man. And it, like you said, it's just very disappointing for Washington because this is a trend that's been going on for so many years. I mean, you go mm-hmm. back a decade plus to look at the draft history, it's just very poor from first and second round standpoint. Yeah, they got Bradley Beal. They hit on that. He's been a franchise player for his entire career, essentially um you know there's some other picks in there that it turned out to be pretty good but overall Mm. other than beal you don't see anybody that really stands out as a true difference maker that reaches the second contract with that team i think the only other player they drafted recently that reached their second contract with the wizards was otto porter jr at the third pick um you know he turned out to be pretty good for them but obviously right after he got extended he moved on and then just broke down so it's just unfortunate man it's it's a it's a hamster wheel they just keep going in circles it's basically they have a decent season they start off decent they don't they miss the playoffs They get a high lottery pick so mm-hmm. not an 11 12 with on that beals content and then they just go back to the beginning and just go in a cycle so i don't know where it ends for them man i know don't, i don't know what they're trying to get out of this I think as long as Beale is, is where he is in his career and they have a chance to at least be a decent team, I don't see this changing anytime soon, unfortunately, for that team.
1: But they're not even decent. Like, that's the annoying thing. It's like, yeah. they're not even decent. Like, they're, I mean, they're closer to Charlotte than they are. I mean, the Hawks, like, this is not, I don't know, man. I, kuzma it looks like because if you make this move this means kuzma's part of the long-term plan right like you're you're not doing this unless you're kind of freeing up some money and freeing up some minutes and uh kind of committing to him as your long-term four but like i don't know like that's just such a weird core to be so committed to (laughs) building around um i i just nothing would surprise me out of dc at this point i just think it's kind of Everyone's just waited on basketball Twitter for years for Bradley Beal to get kind of annoyed and ready to move on, but like you said until that day happens like they're just going to have to keep keep the, the hamster on the wheel, like keep going and yeah. hope that they hit on one of these one of these picks or cuz you're not getting anybody in free agency and you hope one of these guys pop on your roster now that you can flip into a veteran who can really help you next to Beal, but like I don't know, like outside now that Rui's gone, what's the what's the path to DC getting back to I mean at least solid playoff potential with Beal and Kuzma like what is the plan would you guess
2: their their plan has to be to retool on some short way form or fashion uh mm. you know, when you look at Kuzma's contract situation um you know I believe he has an option for next year but I mean no. obviously he's going to test free agency because he's had an awesome year uh so you have to commit to him if you want to keep him around he's going to command 20 million plus for the next four three to four years uh, so that kind of locks you in. So I think really, if they want to make that next jump, I, I would say that Beal is who he is. You could stick with him. Other than that, even Porzingis, you know, I'm I'm kind of iffy on him. He's just not a guy you could rely on to play a ton of games every season. He's going to be injured. I'm just not sure if he's going to be your good long term play. His body could break down in the next four or five years. He just always has these foot problems, ankle problems, knee problems. So I think the only path forward for them is to take a few steps back, you know, honestly have a season or two where you are firmly in the lottery, where you have a better pick than nine or 10, you can get a real difference maker and start to build your way back. Uh, The route they're going just isn't, isn't working. Um, They're just beating their heads against the wall and uh, Bravo for Beal. Um, There's not a a lot of guys like him in the league. Mm. Um, He's having fun there. It seems like he's content, which is great from the team's perspective, management's perspective, something has to change with that core. Um, Avdia Ab- seems like an okay player. You know, He has good defensive chops. He can do some things for you. Gafford is solid. But it's just a lot of solid guys. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Another path forward could be a-, a trade to kind of package a lot of those guys together to get a n- real guy next to Beal. I think that's the quicker way to get better. But I don't know if that's going to be your best plan for the next – several seasons it's just it's just kind of pros and cons to both sides of it but that's the only way forward i see for them if they really want to get out of this routine they're in they go through every single season
1: yeah we'll send dylan right back because i miss him uh in atlanta and atlanta misses him send him back oh, yeah. like uh i yeah. don't i didn't like when uh, the hawks lost him and i would like uh him back in hawks roster but like they have 95 ish million committed this year alone to will barton chris Epps, brzingis and bradley Beale. Like the cap sheets just all mess up. They have to do so much to like reorganize this. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to come off the books in the next year or two. I mean, big decisions on, like you said, with Denny, big decisions on uh, Monty Morris, his I don't know if he has a player or a team option after this year. Um, Kuzma, obviously, like you said, he'll probably opt out and test the market. Barton's gone. Porzingis, we're at the tail end here. I mean, they'll have a lot of cap space in the next couple years popping up if they don't take on a bunch of long-term salary anytime soon around Beal. But then you're like, what are we... I just don't see how you fix it in the next two. Like, I don't see... Because there's no No. trade chips. Like, Porzingis is not going to bring anything. Will Barton is not going to bring anything. Monty Morris Mm -hmm. is not going to bring anything. You want to keep Kuz. So it's like, I I don't really know what other choices you have other than to trade Bradley Beal. But it's just... I I don't know the wizards. If I'm a wizards fan, I'm just banging my head against the, against the wall each and every night.
2: Me too. It's it's frustrating, man. Mm. Cause at least with a team like the magic or the rockets, Mm. they're obviously very poor. They're very poor teams, but you can see the vision coming Mm. to life with those teams. You can see the magic specifically. You can see multiple players, 25 and younger looking like they can become something very special. Um, franz down there faults isaac is now back you know he can rebuild his career mm. you know you look down that roster bull bull has had some amazing moments he's palo yep palo i mean just go down the list it's like we're not going anywhere this season but you can see the vision you can see mm. where it could be headed with the wizards it's like they're just kind of in the cul-de-sac just doing laps yeah you know? and it's like they have some good moments they start a season 12 and seven and it's like okay you know we're doing something here we're, we're going in a certain direction yeah and then they just go two and ten in the next 12 games and you're like well i guess we're right back where we started so it's just
1: tough just, to it's not fun um what do you think is the best lineup with rui in los angeles if you were going to put together the best five now if let's say that the, everyone's healthy in los angeles let's say that lonnie and company are all good to go austin reeves and company like what do you think is going to be the best five that includes him that they can throw out with darvin i
2: think they have a couple of options if they want to go big which mm. i think they will Rui can assume the the three that you can play him there mm. I, I don't know if that's his best position he's not he doesn't seem like he's the most fluid, versatile guy on the perimeter specifically from a defensive perspective. So I think he can struggle there a little bit, but I think they'll try to go big first, you play mm-hmm. those three in the front line. uh, you bring in, uh, probably Schroeder. Now that none's gone, you can either have Schroeder or Beverly there. Uh, you know, assuming the one position and then the two is just kind of fluid, probably Lottie, assuming the two, um, they could go Reeves, um, also as well at that position, they want a little more size to stay versatile so they can match up with those bigger teams a little bit better. So they could go that route.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: if they wanted to downsize, you know, that would be an interesting proposition. Uh, you know, maybe Roy starts and then he start, maybe comes off the bench after if they Mm. experiment, it doesn't really work because Braun and Davis have to be in that lineup to start the game. So if you want to go smaller, you can bring in Lonnie Walker to play the three. And then like, they've been running a little bit, you can have Schroeder and Beverly or someone like that in the backcourt. Um, if, you if you're if you playing a team that has a little bit more speed and likes to get up and down the court, uh, you could do something like that. So I'd say those are their two possibilities. It looks like they're going to go big to start with mm. Rory. The Lakers like to play big. Uh, I think that pushes out Thomas Bryant from possibly starting. So now he's going to be their backup big, which I think is totally fine. I don't mm. know if Thomas Bryant should be starting every game for him. But that seems like their most likely route as far as their starting lineup. But then from there, it can, it can evolve. It can mm. change a little bit. I'm sure they've had tons of starting lineups in this season, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll just kind of tinker with that a little bit until they find the right combination. But it's gonna be fun to watch once those guys get all back healthy. I can't wait to see how they kind of gel um, and kind of help each other out, specifically defensively. That's what I want to see the most from them.
1: Hmm. Um, what do you think is next for Los Angeles? Do you think they do anything else major? Do you think because they made this retrade that this signals that the first round picks are going to be on the table that we thought were not going to be on the table this season? Just because, like you said at the top of the show, they're not that far out from the four or five, and if they can get into that four or five radius, the 80s fine. LeBron's fine. You cannot take these LeBron years for granted if LeBron's just pushing against it, like you got to do something like, I don't know. Do you think they ultimately are more likely to do it because of this Rui trade?
2: This, this trade could be a signal things to come for the Lakers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more moves to come. Mm. They don't have a ton of options as far as pieces they can move. I'm assuming they want to keep Reeves. He kind of assumes that crucial role a little bit that he used to occupy when he was with the team. Mm. Uh, Troy Brown doesn't really have any value. His salary is very low. I can't see him being a part of a trade. Uh, then you look at Lonnie Walker who has been great for the Lakers overall. So that's another piece where I think it would depend on who's available. I mean, if they're trying mm. to swing for another like veteran wing, you know, that's a little bit, a little bit older. Mm. I, I can't see them giving up those picks for someone like that. I, I think it would have to be a true difference maker. And I can't really think of somebody that's available. That can swing their fortunes enough that they want to give up both second round picks for them uh because i think they're they're very hesitant to trade those picks and for good reason Mm. you got to think when you go up to 27 and 29 that's post lebron and even davis is going to be up there in age he's going to be in his 30s that team could be very very bad you know honestly looking in the end of the decade so obviously they they don't want to just throw those picks away uh it would have to be a real true difference maker so I think they're going to continue to try to find some kind of trade to bolster the wing rotation. Mm. Cause I think that's, that's still an area of need for them is that that two, three position specifically the three Troy Brown jr is good, but he's not a guy that you want to have playing 35 plus minutes a game. Uh, so they're going to look to make more moves, but I'm just not sure what else they can do other than Westbrook, you know, moving him, but He's I think it
1: would require him with the salary because there's no one else with the salary that would move for one of those vets to, to yeah. give up the first round picks. Westbrook would have to, I think, be in the deal.
2: Yep, he would have to be. And they've mentioned that they don't want to move him now, that he's yeah. kind of gained his footing as a reserve. So it looks like they're going to keep him. So I'm not really sure if there's anything more they can do. But knowing the Lakers, I'm sure they'll inquire. They'll make some calls because why not? Like you said, it's LeBron's one of his last good years. So they want to take advantage of it.
1: And I mean, the Bulls, I just watched them last night. And I mean, DeMar torched the Hawks in the second half. And just um, he is so frustrating to watch when he's not on your team because he's just so good at getting inside. And uh, you can send doubles, you can send help, but he's just so good at scoring around the basket and just finding his way inside. Um, Not like peak Toronto DeMar, but he's still a really good player. And I wonder the Lakers, it's like, that's the one I, I keep circling. They're not going to give up the two first round picks or whatever for OG. I don't think OG makes as much sense to me for them, but if Fred Van Fleet was an option, uh, that would be something that I'm curious about because we'll talk about him here at the end, but um, change his agents. We'll see who his next agent is. If it's clutch sports as the next agent, then maybe that's something that perks up a little bit um, on that regard. But um Zach Levine makes a lot of sense to me like if you you watch this group and you're like I don't know what the what are they building in Chicago I don't I don't really know what they're building it doesn't seem like the vibes are great like the Vooch fit doesn't has never really looked right he was not happy for most of that game he's a he gets frustrated a lot but um Patrick Williams is just not gonna be that guy he had some good corner threes good defender good size but like he's he's never gonna be a guy who can who can be a big player offensively in the half court. It just doesn't seem like that's coming for him ever. And then yeah. you're like, okay, well, what do we have? Lonzo ba- ball may never play basketball again. We, we just yeah. like, that's just right for him. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, yeah. what are you, where are they going? There's still two games under 500. I just, I'm on the Lakers. That's probably where I'm targeting is either Fred Van um, and seeing what happens there. And then um, Zach Levine, I think either I would give up, the, the first round picks for one of those. I think that's enough of a needle move where you could like, yeah, I think with a Levine 80 LeBron core for a seven game series, I think that would be a really tough, uh, tough out. And I think that's worthwhile. So yeah, I don't know. I think those two make the most sense to me.
2: I I, I like that as well. Uh, Van Vliet a little bit older, but he's still under 30. Mm. Uh, he's been off and on this season. He's been struggling with a few injuries But once he comes back from those injuries and he gets a few games under his belt, I mean, he's had some fantastic performances. Mm -hmm. And for the Lakers specifically, where I think the big appeal of Van Vliet lies is not only his veteran leadership. I mean, he's one of those guys that's been with the Raptors for several years, and he's really kind of assumed a a leadership role, and you can trust him to do make good decisions on the court. But, you know, solid three-point shooter. He's just a good all-around guard. He just kind Mm -hmm. of does whatever you need, and he's used to being... Uh, a second or third option he played with a guy named Kawhi Leonard you know for a season in Toronto so he's not like Trey Young who we talked about um you know right before the pod as a guy that's like has trouble playing with ball dominant players mm. Van Lee has done that and he's shown that he can be very uh he can slot into that role very easily as an off-ball player uh very good defensive player he's just tough he's mm-hmm. just he's just a tough-nosed guy he wants to win at all costs and uh, that fits the ethos of of the Lakers, so he's a great fit for them. And Levine is, uh, I think, would be a little bit tougher to kind of fit in that system because mm. he's one of those guys that uh, you know he's been he's assumed a huge role of the offense his entire career almost. And um, you know, I don't see the defensive upside there the same way I do with Van Vliet. But mm. I agree. I mean, if he's on the table and you have a chance to get him, definitely go for it because he just only he only elevates your 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 potential and what you can accomplish on the basketball court. So I like both of those specifically Van Vliet for that team. I think he would be an awesome fit. It's just, it just comes down to can the Lakers put enough together to entice the Raptors to make that deal other than the picks. Um, it would have to come down to just getting enough salary. I think that'd be the biggest challenge for them.
1: Who do you think offered the Raptors the three first round picks for OG? Who do you think when you saw that, who, who jumped out to you is most likely to do that?
2: Uh, Possibly the Raptors or the Raptors. You know, I had to take two <laughs> guesses on that one. <laughs> uh yeah, it's because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter just they just show a picture of of, of Maasai, like a a GIF of Maasai, right mm-hmm. there under the under the post. Um I think it's either they kind of put that in the air to get people talking. Uh because I, I don't know who would offer three first for OG, you know? Mm. I think when you're talking about players that could warrant three picks, you're you're talking about true star players in this Mm -hmm. league. You're talking about the Go Bears. You're talking about the Mitchells of the world, guys like that. Um, And OG is a fine player. I mean, I'm a huge OG fan. I love what he does on the court. But are we really talking about him as an all-star, all-NBA, all-defensive team type of guy um, or defensive player of the year? I'm not sure if he really hits – those marks mm.
0: for me.
2: Uh, so I'm I'm very skeptical that that's a legitimate report because uh, teams will be trying to uh, gain an upper hand any way they can. They'll just kind of put stuff in in the air just to kind of see what happens. So I don't really have an answer for you, man. To be honest, because I think it might be some smoke. But how how do you feel about that? You think somebody actually did offer that kind of haul for them?
1: Yes, I think Indiana did. I think it was Indiana. People were joking about the Knicks. I'm like, there's that doesn't feel like the Knicks to me. I don't think he's splashy enough to offer up the three first rounders. I don't think that yeah. that doesn't feel Knicksian to me. Um, I agree with that. I think it's like they would probably do it for if Beal was, or Levine or somebody like that, or even Fred VanVleet. I could see, but that can you imagine that backcourt and just Van Fleet and Brunson defensively? Oh, Tom man. Thibodeau would not uh, not enjoy that one. But no. I don't know. The Pacers make the most sense because the Pacers have lost seven straight as of this recording um they obviously have a lot of picks they are ahead of schedule in a lot of ways um rick carlisle uh i don't think wants to do a long-term rebuild and if you are like hey and the pacers are the perfect organization for this right where they are not about just tanking and all that herb simon and company have always been about building through the middle and now they're kind of in that perfect spot where they can, because they're right smack dab in the middle in the standings right now. And if you believe you already have, and not even if you believe, they already have their one all-star in Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to be a franchise cornerstone for years to come. Chris Duarte is still a wait and see. Benedict Matherin looks like he's going to be a good player. You have Miles Turner still under contract. You could still extend him and make that work. And I think they probably should still extend him. You have Buddy Healed like... I don't know. You look around this group and you're like, hey, I mean, if this is your these are your guys and you think you're like one more young piece of way that you could bring in and then you have this like with Halliburton and all those guys like you could have all those guys under contract for several years altogether if you were to make that kind of swing and it's like I would totally get it because you'd be a solid playoff team for years to come if you were to add OG as that final final piece because if you add him into that mix like the best five for the Pacers would be a pain in the butt and just exactly what Rick Carlisle would want uh, because they would win a lot of, a lot of games. I think
2: that's true. That's true. That's a good point. I, I think OG kind of fits what Carlisle is looking for out of mm. a, specifically a wing player yeah. in the league. I mean, he loves just those low maintenance guys to just know how to play the game of basketball without causing a lot of fuss. And OG is, mm. fits that bill perfectly. So from that perspective, I can definitely see that. Um, I guess I didn't think of Indiana initially because for me, I, I, I always think that Indiana is an organization that's not going to kind of rush their way into contention or rush their mm-hmm. way into being an upper tier team in the Eastern Conference. They've always struck me as a more methodical team that kind of builds through the draft, let things progress naturally. Uh, you know, if they're right on the cusp of winning a championship or, you know, something like that is 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 a possibility – go out and sign somebody, go make a trade for sure. But with where they are right now, I don't know if they would consider themselves close enough to true contender status to make a move like that. Uh, they're having a great season. Uh, definitely better than I think even they expected.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: Um, I think they can really go either direction. They can mm-hmm. go in on this season or they can sell. Uh, they have some guys that have peak trade value right now, so they can go the other direction. They're just kind of like a, like a wild card. Mm. So to speak, in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, they can—they have so many different possibilities because they can build for the future. They have vets they can build around. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Turner's been excellent. I think this is best season yet. Just mm. looking at his all-around numbers and two-way impact for this team. So, um, yeah, I like Indiana as a possibility. I think if somebody did do that, I can see Indiana as a team. Um, but it, it could go a little bit against what how they operate a little bit as far as the timing of making a move like that and offering so many picks. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, I yeah. Think there's just d- different ways they can go about it for sure.
1: I would love to see a closing five of um, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, OG um, Benedict and uh, Miles Turner. That's no, it's, a, it's a pretty formidable it's group.
2: Exciting. Oh, yeah.
1: A lot of shooting, a lot of defense, a lot of switchability. That'd be fun. Um, if you would do explain To folks who are not watching the Raptors week in week out and they just see that everyone's mostly been healthy you mentioned that Fred Van Fleet's been beat up a little bit Mm -hmm. but Pascal's going to be an all-star he's had a fantastic season OG's been healthy Scotty Barnes has been healthy and the wins have just not come they're playing a bunch of minutes that's Nick Nurse's bread and butter here we're playing my seven or eight guys and we're going 30 plus 36 plus minutes a night but they're just not having a good year at all. Like, what have you seen that tells you that tells the story as to why the Raptors just cannot kick it into gear this year? You no,
2: know, Chase, I think part of it is this core has been together for a while. You think of OG, you think of Siakam, you think of Van Vliet, mm. uh, you think of Chris Boucher, all these guys, uh, Malachi Flynn, you just go down the list, like a lot of these guys, um, great Trent Jr., I've uh, mm. been with this team for two-plus years. They've all seen a lot, done a lot together, and they offer a lot in terms of defensive potential, in terms of versatility. And the front office has made a point to build this team using good, solid guys, lanky guys that can assume a different a lot, a large variety of positions on the court. Mm. Uh, but at a certain point, I think there's diminishing returns with that you look at their guard rotation specifically and beyond Van Vliet, like who's the next guy that you would trust to handle the ball for extended periods of time. Let's say Van Vliet is out. Like who's the next mm. guy that comes in and mans the offense, um, is a really solid floor general, can make great reads on time, on target. It's just, I think they're kind of lacking in that area a little bit. Uh, these wings can masquerade as point guards, but they're, they're not point guards. You know, mm. Uh, even point forward might be a stretch for these guys like um Scotty and OG and and Siakam they'll bring the ball up. Sure. Like they'll get things kickstarted, but at the end of the day in the NBA, like you have to have a high level of guard play and Van Vliet misses some games. Uh, He's missed. I'm not exactly how many games exactly, but mm-hmm. he's missed some games and then behind him, Malachi Flynn hasn't quite developed the way I think they thought he would. Uh, they, they do have Gary Trent, but I mean, Gary Trent is a gunner. He's a spot up shooter. He's a guy that's going to be a little bit streaky. He's going to get you buckets at a certain times, kind of like a Jordan Clarkson type of player. Mm. He's a good two way wing, but he's not a floor general. He's not a distributor. Uh, so I think that's just a, a, a weakness of that team that I think has been exploited a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at their season numbers. Uh, offensively, they're 13th, so it's not too bad in that regard uh but defensively it's 18th and they've been 22nd over the last two weeks in defensive efficiency so for them i mean it's i'm I'm surprised to see that i thought really it was Mm -hmm. their offense that's more of a problem for them but defensively they're just not quite up to par uh the center position is also another area of need for them a little bit they've had some guys kind of go in and out christian coloco and guys like that and be decent, but like they need that long-term piece, you know, like a Steven Adams, uh, mm. a Miles Turner, you know, someone like that, a Zubac that just kind of like a, a Brooke Lopez that's mm. there in the post that you can just rely on to get stops at the rim each and every night. Mo if Bamba, was, maybe.
1: Who's that? Mo Bamba. He's available. Maybe you bring yeah, in Mo sure. Bamba. Yeah.
2: Sure. Some other guy they can go after. So those are a couple of things that stand out to me as to why they've been mm. a little bit down this season. And the win differential is minus 3.4, which is worse than the league. So based on their efficiency differential between mm. the offense and defense, they're winning three less games so far than you would expect, which tells me that they've been losing some close games. Mm. So that's probably another part of it. They're not getting a lot of clutch play. Uh, you know, whether or not you lose by 20 or two, a loss is a loss. So mm-hmm. you, you have to be better in clutch time. So just a few reasons for me as to why they've underperformed. Uh how about you? Is there anything else that stands out to you about what's lacking with this team right now?
1: Uh Scotty Barnes is not ready to be like the league guy. Like I think there was a lot of optimism about just how good he was as a rookie and then I think people went a little bit too far and maybe there was too much on Scotty's plate where it's like he and Pascal are going to be this two-headed monster and this group is just going to thrive together and I just I don't think OG Pascal and Scotty can all thrive in the same ecosystem. And I think that's probably why you're seeing OG pop up in trade rumors and stuff. And um, part of the reason that Pascal is becoming an all-star is because Pascal's having to do a lot more. Um, he's able to do a lot more. I just, I, I think Scotty might have, people had overplayed what he could be in this league. And I think. I don't know. Where are you at with Scotty? Cause I think a lot of this comes back down to him. Unfortunately is like there was, Oh, maybe he's a point for her. Maybe they can really develop him into their own Kawhi, like starting from a really young age. They get him in the, the Nick nurse eco chamber right away. You get a great, uh, some great vets around him with OG and Pascal. And like, let's see what happens. And he had a lot on display. I think in summer league, wasn't he bringing the ball up a lot there? If I seem to recall as a rookie, um, and that's something that obviously they would love to do. And like you said, they don't have a lot of natural point guard playmaking, um, at that spot. And right. the hope was like either OG, cause I mean, he, that was years ago they tried him at summer league and he looked really good at right. point forward. And they've been looking for that point forward type, um, to take over without Kyle Lowry and company because Fred VanVleet's good, but you still want some variety. And I just don't think Scotty Barnes is there as a scorer and playmaker. And I just think there's too much on this kid's plate um right now so i think he needs more help and i think they just need to shake things up just a little bit um and not overcompensate like oh man this no, this is working we need to sell everything it's just i think you just need to move around one of those three and it's probably og of the three to kind of bring in some more vets bring in some more help at guard and just you got to expand this rotation and have more guys you can trust if you're nick nurse because you're really really running these guys into the ground at this point
2: absolutely uh, Scotty Barnes is playing 34, almost 35 minutes a game. Siakam is even higher. So, I mean, I agree. I mean, at some point you have to lighten the load a little bit for these guys. Cause I mean, we we're getting all technical and we're talking about defensive and offensive efficiency and, and different play types and things like that. But it could really just be as simple as fatigue. If we're mm. being honest, uh, y- these They're guys 20th are 20th in defense
1: right now, which is weird based yeah. on the personnel.
2: Right, and I think that's a big reason as to why. Because you look, you think about defense, and especially mm. in today's NBA, it's so difficult to be a consistently good defensive team. There's mm. so many actions you have to guard. There's so many great offensive players out there. So, I mean, if anything's going to go as a result of fatigue, it looks like defense would be the first to go. Because if you're a step late in rotations, if you know, you're know you mentally you're not quite there, you're you a step late to on a closeout, or, mm. or tagging a roller or something like that. There's a cascade effect that comes along with that. And, um, you know, I like what you said about that roster balance overall, they were looking for that point forward type and they have several guys that kind of fill that role in, in spurts, mm. but it's come at the cost of overall balance um, in the league or and on their team. So you have a lot of wings. Where are you at with your centers? Where are you at with your point guards? They're, they're lacking so i definitely agree i think it would help them if they shipped off og you kind of you even that out a little bit you get some help on those other positions where you're lacking because those three guys you just mentioned og scotty and and doesn't seem like their skill sets overlap and that's why they're kind of having trouble all establishing themselves specifically scotty barnes
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think ultimately OG's out. I think he's the odd man out is going to be my guess. But I also am yeah. curious what happens. And they put a lot of eggs in the auto porter basket and they he did, going down. Rough, yeah. Really, that was rough for them. They just don't have the depth, man. And they think they're just and I mean, Kim, Kim Birch being not a factor and not a rotation guy anymore, uh, kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. Like that's just stuff that it hurts when that happens.
2: I forget he exists sometimes. Right, like Kemper- and he was
1: starting a lot last year. Like this yeah. is uh, just not a he's in the doghouse and just not not a part of this rotation right now for for Toronto. So we'll see if that changes. But I don't know. I'm pretty pretty uh, pessimistic when it comes to that. Um, on the positive side, though, Philly has played really good basketball. James Harden's played really good basketball. We'll see if Joel Embiid is an All Star starter um, in the in the coming weeks. But I think he has a strong case for it. I think you could make the case he's been better than Giannis uh, to this point uh, this season, which is pretty, pretty good for him. Um, I don't know, like those early, it feels like forever ago that Philly was really, really struggling out of the gate and it was like, uh-oh, uh, what's happening here? Maxi being out with his foot injury and you're like, this is a problem. I I think uh, things might get significantly worse. And then you had like, what feels like forever ago is because basketball Twitter moves like this It's just... What was it Harden was talking to, who was he talking to in Houston where he's like, I'd love to come back or something like that. I forgot that yeah, report, which feels yeah. like forever ago that he was already planning his uh his next exit and reuniting in Houston. You're like, what is happening? Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Houston's a dumpster fire right now. And like what, that doesn't make any sense. And also like you forced right way to Brooklyn to get to, like, it's just none of it made sense. And then he's like popping up in previews with M. Night Shyamalan today. It's just James Harden's all over the place. You, It's just, he he's is. a hard guy to read and they're 30 and 13 as of this recording number two in the east they're a team that i think some teams it doesn't matter where they fall in the top four right like the warriors are in that zone the lakers when fully healthy, are in that zone um i think the celtics are probably at that point where it doesn't really matter one through four or five i think the nets for sure it doesn't really matter where they fall there i think the sixers are one of those who actually it does matter like if they can get the number one seed or they can be a top one or two whatever and get the best matchups possible I think the better off they're going to be. I think they're a team that benefits more, especially with that crowd and everything else, of just they need to be in the best possible matchups, whatever that means. And I don't know. I, I did not see this turnaround coming. I thought it was going to go the other way based on how this started. Um, what what do you look when you've watched the Sixers of late, what have you seen that's kind of flipped for them?
2: Uh I think leaning into that. Tandem. I mean, they're leaning on that star power of Harden and Embiid first off. I mean, mm-hmm. you have guy, two guys like that, you know, one premier facilitator, ball handler and Harden. And then you're the second half of that equation is an elite role guy, finisher, all around dominant presence in the paint like Embiid and you go to that. Well, uh, early and often that pick and roll is just going to do you wonder so it looks like that's propelled their offense in a big way just going to that action. Uh, Time and time again, and then letting those other guys just kind of feed off of what Comes up what appears as a result of those guys feeding off of each other So you have your wing players out there making a difference Uh, D'Anthony Melton had some fantastic games when maxi was out
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So
2: he kind of stepped into that role that void that maxi left. Um, That was one of the great uh, acquisitions of the summer Um, overall, I thought, getting into Anthony Melton Mm. uh, because he's that utility player on the wing-slash-guard spot there that I think they were lacking a little bit last year. Mm. Uh, He steps into that rotation. He brings them great defense. He brings some secondary ball handling, decent shooting. So he he fills a lot of voids for them. And then with P.J. Tucker, it's just like, hey, just do what you do. I mean, he's not scoring a lot right now. Still shoot
1: thirty eight percent from three. What is he in the corner? I'm sure it's still yes. really good. Like he's still
2: a solid yeah. shooter. It's just he just hasn't really gone to that all that much. He's not looking for a shot really as much as he used to. Yeah,
1: but he can still get forty percent at corner three. By the way, still shooting forty yeah. percent at that corner. So BJ still has his corner. He has mm-hmm. his corners. <laughs> he has his corner. BJ is always yeah. gonna have that corner three. That's the main thing.
2: Always from mm-hmm. now to the grave, it's, he's gonna have his corners. But I would say that's probably the 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 biggest thing is just. That tandem of Embiid and Harden really clicking together, Mm. coupled with D'Anthony Melton's strong play in the absence of Maxi. And then Maxi coming back and being content to play a bench role. Mm. I think that's one of the the characteristics of title teams that you see across the board. The Warriors had this a lot. Iguodala stepped down from the starting position, uh, and a lot of other guys did the same. I mean, they had an opportunity to start for a few years, and then they said, hey, this team is really turning into something special, hmm. I'll take a step back for the benefit of the team. And Maxi did that. He went to Rivers and said, hey, I'm, I'm cool taking a step back. I'll assume a bench position so that D'Anthony Melton can continue to bring that all-around play in the starting lineup like he had been um, and then not have them deal with such a, a, a defensive liability in the backcourt with Harden and Maxi when they were together. So I think all those factors couple together, and of course, Embiid, you know, you can, we can be simple and just say, yeah, Embiid's been MVP level. When your best player is playing at his highest level, uh, automatically, you're going to, you're going to see a lot more wins. You know, Embiid's averaging 33 points a game, uh, double digit rebounds, hitting jump shot
1: 38% usage rate.
2: Yeah. Just hey, feed your best guy. Let him go to work. Sometimes it's that simple.
1: <laughs> so yeah. I mean, he's, he's been unreal and I just, we, we talked about not taking these LeBron seasons for granted. I think the same is true for, for the Sixers where you just can't take these Embiid seasons for granted because um, it doesn't strike. I don't think it's going to be like this five years from now, even uh, maybe even less, like you got to pounce and uh, make the most of this because we're seeing just some insane basketball from a player of his size and stature and what he's able to do night in night out. I mean, defense the offense it doesn't matter he's just when he's on there's nothing you can do um and it's just different with him beat and he's a joy to watch and i just i wonder too uh james harden he's been great with a lower usage he's at the 25 percent range tyrese max is a bigger one than him at this point like mm-hmm. he's just uh, quietly had a great year um in philadelphia and has been locked in by and large, and like you said, they've been they just killing the pick and pop and the pick and roll with Harden and Embiid, and that's what they're going to do come playoff time. But Maxie's shooting well, De'Anthony Melton shooting well, PJ still hitting the corners. Like you look at who they're going to play, and you think about like what a playoff rotation is going to look like for Doc. Theibel's probably out; um, he's not been good for them, and you'll see uh, Furcon is probably out. Um, I don't know; they they could probably make a move, but Tobias Harris has been fine; uh, he's still yeah. shooting well for them i uh i don't know i just i don't think they have a lot of question marks when healthy i think this they have their group um i think they have a lot more versatility at the guard spot um and more more fun i think they're going to have more options the ball has an opportunity to move a lot more uh with their guys whether it's shake whether it's DeAnthony, whoever uh, is coming in they're going to move the ball more and not allow it to just be only james harden and beat and pick and pop stuff i think uh they're gonna have a lot of drive and kick opportunities and i don't know I, i'm more optimistic about where this sixers team can go um Than I was maybe a few weeks back. I am
2: too. All the signs are pointing to the Sixers finally finding the perfect surrounding cast to put around Embiid. Mm. For several years, it was trying to balance that out. It's like, do we have enough shooting? Do we have enough defense? Going back and forth. And, you know, last year was a lack of depth for them. They, mm. they played Miami, they lost in five games. Yes, Embiid was hurt but there were a lot of flaws that the heat exposed for them. They didn't have the toughness. They didn't have the depth. You know, once Harden was out of the game, once Embiid was out of the game, who's the next man up. That's going to really punish the defense for Philadelphia mm. this year. No such questions. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. They, they come in here. Not a lot of weaknesses. They have Embiid spear of the dragon here, uh, just leading the charge. Uh, he's at the top of his position 100th percentile in terms of assist percentage 46% uh, assist percentage and you you mentioned this earlier his usage rate is at a uh, is at a significantly lower level than it was and i think that's going to benefit them come playoff time because mm-hmm. i remember a couple years back with the nets it was a hamstring flared up and i think last year it flared up again and he had some trouble with that so if he's playing less minutes uh, I mean, he's still playing 36.8 minutes a game, but he's not dominating the ball as much right. as he did before. So Embiid is at his best self. Harden is at his more efficient self, not as burned out. Other players are benefiting. So it's just kind of like, by extension, Harden is getting these other guys involved, and they're all having great seasons um, as a whole. So I like that for everybody. Mm. Um only real big question mark for them is that center, backup center spot. I think Paul Reed... As it is, always
1: like, has been under Doc Rivers always. in Philly for some reason.
2: Always. Like, mm. hey, we got Drummond, we got mm. Trez, these other guys. Who was the
1: other dude, Reed, that Sixers fans wanted forever? Was that it? Was it Paul Reed? What was his name? Um From last year where they were playing... Where He was playing DJ over him. Why am I blanking on who it was? And Sixers fans couldn't stand it. Um
2: Oh, Paul Reed is not...
1: Is that, is isn't? I said Paul Reed and I don't know if it sounded right. Is it, was it Paul Reed? Am I, I remember I so. yeah, okay.
2: last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still can't understand that decision to play Deandre Jordan. He should have never no. even stepped foot on the court <laughs> in the playoffs. That's a head scratcher, but yeah, they're in a great, they're in a great spot right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think this is their time to shine. This is a uh, Harden's chance to reconcile the redeem himself after those past playoff failures, and maybe he just needed to assume a, a lower role being the second guy. That mm-hmm. could be all the difference for him. So for his sake, I hope it and is. Maybe sometimes
1: being the third them. when Tyrese is on. Like when Tyrese yeah. is on, he can uh, he can kind of be the third, fourth guy done. That's okay. Um, yeah, I just, they got to avoid the Celtics. I think that's their worst matchup. Like, I just don't think they have the wings to compete with the Celtics uh, yeah, night in, tough. night out in a seven game series. Like, that'd I think tough. they could probably punish brooklyn in a seven game series i think that would be a really fun one nick claxton's been awesome but um i think that would be a really fun series and i'd probably lean philly there and then milwaukee i mean i just i'm not i'm not there right now i think their biggest obstacle uh, with seeding would be getting boston early so if they can avoid boston for as long as possible i think uh the, there's a lot of reason for optimism in Philadelphia. Uh Aaron, what can the good folks check out from you across uh, the internet this week? No trade clause and everywhere else. What can uh what can you plug as we wrap up here tonight?
2: Sure. Well, uh Chase, thanks again for having me. Um great conversation. Uh i yeah. time here on the podcast. Uh you can find us over at no Uh you can go over to our Twitter and find us there as well. Uh we actually just had a podcast we recorded yesterday that would be dropping. I think it's already dropped. Um, so if you go to no trade underscore clause on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, I'm about to be posting that podcast over there. And then we have our channel as well on YouTube that you guys can check out if you wanted to see all our content. Uh, we had an interview with James May. Uh, he coached the Brooklyn Nets summer league team back in Vegas in July. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has an international coaching experience. So that will be going up this evening. Um, Highly encourage you to check that out. He had some great things to say about the state of the game today from a coach's perspective. Mm. And then we have another podcast coming out here in another couple of days. Uh, Matt Iza is going to be on the podcast um, from SB Nation, Basketball News, Forbes. Um, So keep it locked for that. But um, if you're looking for cap sheets, you're looking for draft capital, things like that, all that, including our podcast, will be on notrayclaws.com. So be sure to check that out.
1: There you go. Aaron, thank you so much for the time, and uh, we'll have to check back in again soon.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man.
1: This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680, the fan and the Braves radio network this season. Go Braves.
0: Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, that you're interviewing mm-hmm. your, um, pleasantness. You're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you.